Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Okay. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You are a wealth of information, and I know my listeners are going to love hearing about how you collaborate and work with general education teachers as a special education teacher. So would you mind starting out by just telling us a little bit about yourself, both maybe professionally, personally, we'd like to know who you are. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. I am Ashley, the face behind Spectacular Days. Um, that's my Instagram handle. That's like my social media handle. So that is who I am. Um, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so excited. I have been a special education teacher for 10 years. I started out in a self-contained classroom working with students with intellectual disabilities. And then three years ago, I transitioned to a different role, still in special education. I'm considered a cross-categorial teacher, which is a big name. They call us cross-cat. But basically, I am a resource teacher and inclusion teacher. I push into the general education classroom and support students with IEPs. Wonderful. I love that. Um, so let's just dive into what you do. What does like kind of a day in your job look like then as a cross-categorial teacher? So every day is different. And I'm sure you know that coming from education, you have a plan to start out. It's going to look like this and then something happens. Um, I am working in two different grade levels this year. I'm supporting third grade and fifth grade. So I support reading and math for both grade levels, and thankfully the teachers work well with me, and they are able to have them at different times so I can support in both classrooms. Um, I have duty some days, which is kind of fun, kind of not. My duties are outside right now, which I'm not loving, but it's cold. It's it's winter here in Virginia, but um, I love my school. I love where I work. I actually teach in the district or the area that I live in, so... My students are my neighbors, which some people might think is weird, but I love it. Um, I don't act any differently as a like neighbor versus teacher type of thing. So it's it's great. Honestly, I love what I do. The kids make life so enjoyable. They're so excited to learn and be in school that it just makes education really fun right now. Well, good. That's wonderful. Um, and third and fifth are so much fun. I love both of those grade levels. So that's good. Okay, so you talked a little bit about working with a lot of your gen ed teachers and how you even, I think, commented about how wonderful they were about having different times for this and for that. And so how do you kind of build that relationship? How do you make it so that they are flexible and accommodating? What are your secrets? So reaching out in the beginning of the year, and my school is very, we are a co-teaching school. So the teachers know that they get support for reading. Um, That is a definite. There's always two teachers for reading. For math, that's a 50-50 if they have students with IEPs or not. Um, So when we 
once they find out who the teacher is that they're going to be working with, they we kind of coordinate. And they're really good about, which helped this year, that fifth grade had specials first. So third grade does reading first. And then I switch when third goes to specials, fifth grade has reading. So it actually worked out in my favor this year. But in years past, I've had teachers push reading to the afternoon and math and content to the morning to make sure that I can support both. But just being open as a grade level, if they know that I'm supporting multiple classrooms, they, they're usually very flexible about saying, okay, no worries. I like to do reading in the afternoon or math in the morning and vice versa. But just being open with like, hey, I need to be supporting you and I can't be in two places at once. Um, so can you work with me here? And I tend to have a, a teaching assistant, but some years I don't. It just depends on the, my caseload and how big it is. Um, so, you know, just building that rapport and just making sure that people know that you're there to support their classroom and their students, I think that really helps um, teachers be more understanding, be more flexible for you and willing to change things out. That's good. And two, I think some of that is respect and they, they must know they can count on you or they wouldn't bend over backwards to make sure that you're there. And I think that goes a long way with building a good relationship. They know the who, what, when, where, and Ashley's going to be here. And this is why I need her, you know, so that's good. Yes, for sure. Um, How do you collaborate with them? So it's looked different all three years that I've done this so far. Um, last year, I was fully virtual. I was a distance learning teacher all year. So the teacher I worked with last year, we had a Google Doc that we would just put things in, and she had a Google Drive that she would share things for me. So she could update it in real time. I could see the updates in real time. This year, my co-teachers are amazing. They give me the, their nine-week plan, you know, like this is what we want to cover. And then usually they do about two weeks at a time where we have a Google Doc where they up, update it. And then when we have snow days, they change it. But they usually send me definitive, like definite plans on Sunday night. And because I've been in third grade for three, this is my third year, I have a lot of the visuals and everything ready. So that helps me. Um, but they share their plans with me up front, or we talk usually Friday afternoon. We have meetings once a week to go over collab our CLT, our collaborative learning teams. Um but there's a lot of great ways that we do that. Fifth grade, they're more fly by the seat of their pants, which is fine. Um, I have two students that uh, have more severe learning disabilities in that room. So I kind of make their curriculum, if that makes sense. So I don't have to follow exactly what they're doing, but I have an idea. They're like, oh, we're working on narratives or, oh, we're working on persuasive. And I kind of have the general themes and I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to take this, this, and this from what you're doing and I'm going to implement or change out these three things. And they're so go with the flow that I love it. They're like, you know what? We know you're coming prepared. Just do your thing. We'll do our thing. And then we work together in that way too. And then we share a Google Doc for grades, if that makes sense. That's good. And I never even thought even like sharing the Google Doc with grades or even like almost, maybe I'm misinterpreting that, but almost like a brain dump of ideas. Here are things that we could do and pick and choose then. And that's what goes on the final lesson plan or, you know, just here are our resources. Is that what you're doing? Yes. And what they'll do is they'll send me like their month overview. And I might say, okay, you have a test and that's 20 questions. I'm going to change the test or you send me the test. I put the audio in and I put the audio in for the whole third grade. So students that might be EL learners, they, those teachers can take the audio. They do a nice job of picking like one or two different test formats and then the whole grade level uses them. 
But if the teachers have different ones, they'll like specifically say, hey, we're going to do this and I'll record my voice or limit answer choices, depending what the students need each year. But it's been kind of nice that we all went virtual at one point. So everything is already online. So that does help. Not that I loved going virtual, but that has made this piece a little bit easier. Yeah, that was an advantage. I mean, we threw a lot of people in the deep end, like they weren't ready, but it did allow them to kind of learn some skills. And even for us, I love kind of seeing then this year, what has stuck when we're not all virtual, what did people choose to do? And a lot of things like tests online and things like that, they did stick around. Yeah, I think honestly, it helps limit the amount of paper that's going home because really I have a son in kindergarten. I look at his stuff and then I throw it away. Like We keep like some things, but like the seven worksheets they did on sight words, you're not keeping that. So for parents, I think it's a benefit. For teachers, they're getting the scores right away. And a lot of them push right into their grade books. It just makes everybody's life a little bit easier. And especially because we're all kind of flying by the seat of our pants right now, especially with the pandemic and everything. I, th- I know there's a lot extra on people's plates. This is just one thing that makes it a bit easier. Right, right. Yeah. And and we'll take anything to make it easier. So. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you do a lot of co-teaching and, uh, you know, collaborating in the classroom. Do you pull students out like for resource or what does that look like for you? Yes, they do encourage us to keep them in the classroom as often as possible at my school. However, with maintaining our COVID parameters of like three feet or more, we have to maintain that distance with the kids. Um, I do pull them into the resource room to just do things so we can have the space provided, um, for us in that sense. But, or I try to pull them into the hallway and because I am loud, (laughs) I know that I'm a loud person. I don't like to, um, overshadow the general education teacher, but they do the mini lesson and all the instruction happens in the classroom. It's just when I do their piece of it, you know, sometimes if we're doing reading or data and that when we, especially when I do data, I pull them because I don't want them to get distracted. I want to make sure their focus is there and they're having the best environment possible to get the best score. So my next question for you then is how do you create good relationships with them? With my co-teachers in this year, I have three different teachers that I, four actually, four teachers that I coordinate with. Um, I'm blessed I've been working with two of them for three years now, so we've maintained a good relationship. You know, just making sure that they know that you're there for the benefit of the students. I've said this many times. You don't have to be best friends with them. There is a definitive age gap between two of the teachers that I work with, but that doesn't mean that our both of our common goal is the kids. And just being upfront with what you need, like, hey, I would really like X, Y, and Z. Is that possible? How can I help you? Um, I always ask, like, what can I do? Like, if they're up there doing the mini lesson, what can I be doing behind the scenes? Do you want me to sit in grade papers? Do you want me to make sure the kids are still on task? Are you okay if I say something to a student? Like, I don't want to overstep. And I think just talking out those little things initially. And most teachers are like, yes, my classroom is your classroom. Um, They've all given me a great place, a space in the classroom. that This is your stuff. This is your area whatever you want. And I think that just makes you feel a little bit more at home per se. Um, so that that's a really big one, just making sure that you know that you are part of that classroom. And like I said, the bonus is the school I work in is a co-teaching school. Teachers are made well aware be- before they accept a job that you are going to have a co-teacher and you are expected to make sure that that co-teacher is 
um, just as important as you are in the classroom. Um, so that helps. Our admin are very persistent about reiterating that information to teachers in the beginning of the year during collaborative learning teams. So that does help. Um, but like I said in the beginning, just set the base up with what are things that you need to to be successful and ask your co-teacher, these are things I need to be successful. How can you help me? And what do you need to be successful? How can I help you? I think that's perfect because one teacher might say, no, I don't want you to redirect. I don't want you to chime in. Um, I know I had a teacher one time, I played the student who had the question, but would never ask it. And that was our role. I would be like, but what about, you know, Ooh, where did you get that number? And so I would play kind of the kid who didn't know because you know, many kids really had that, but that would never fly in another classroom. You know, like you have to have kind of the right setup, the right mix. So I think that's good. Set it up from the beginning. Yes. And I think it is so helpful when you learn in one year, I was in three different third grade classrooms. They all were working on the same standard of learning, but they were teaching it three different ways, which was great for me. I then got three additional ways to teach things, but I also knew my place in this classroom. I could help, like you said, be the student that asked the questions. The other classroom, I was walking around making sure that that the students were focused and a third classroom, I was doing this. So you kind of learn. And when the teacher is out, they kind of rely on you to make sure that the ship is still sailing smoothly, if that makes sense. Which also probably adds a little bit of trust that it's like, if I have to be out, nobody likes to miss school, but like, at least Ashley can handle it. Or, you know, like it just adds like an extra layer of the ship will still sail or, the, you know, things will still be fine. Yes. The sub almost takes, I don't want to say a backseat role, but depending on who the sub is, and a lot of times right now, we don't have subs. So I do take on that role at times, but I still make sure my students that have IEPs are getting their service time. But sometimes I am stepping in and helping um, a little bit more. So yes, I fully agree with what you said. Those are all really good things to do. But what about some mistakes that you see special education teachers making? I think mistakes, and I would be guilty of this, is not wanting to speak up because you don't want to mess up a relationship. But you're there to help the kids. And if there's something that the general education teacher can do to help the kids, then you need to speak up and say that. So it's sometimes harder, especially when you have like FBAs or BIPs, um, behavior plans, making sure those are being implemented correctly because you want it to be cohesive. You want it to be fluid. If I'm not in the room, you want to make sure it's it's being implemented correctly. That's where I see a lot of times where Sometimes general education teachers get a little nervous about handling things like that, but just keeping that open communication, um, that's a big one. Data, I think sometimes they don't think they should take data, but I'm like, well, if you're doing a small group, here's, I always try to provide questions they can ask and then make it as easy as possible. Checks, you know, and minuses. You know, because kids perform differently in different situations and different scenarios. So, and I think that just them knowing that you're not going to be a judgmental individual if they come to ask you a question. Just like I would hope they wouldn't judge me if I go, hey, I'm just curious about this. Um, and like I said, no one has to be best friends. You don't have to go shopping on Saturdays or get coffee. But just knowing that mutual respect is there is always good. I think those are fabulous things, you know, th things to be aware of 
so that we can try to avoid those because it does happen. Or you could have a fabulous relationship and it's that one kid who gets put in that one teacher's room that does make it hard. And, and you're right. Our job is to advocate for what our kids need. And how do you do that in a respectful and, you know, where you're not ruining that relationship kind of way? It is hard. Um, how do you stay organized? Because I'm hearing you're in four different classrooms. You're collaborating with all of these teachers. How do you stay organized? So I write everything down. I'm like Dory from Finding Nemo. I have a very, very poor short-term memory, which is awful. I think like my brain is like a hamster in a wheel constantly moving. But I have, when I find out my caseload and my teachers, I have four, three different binders because my fifth graders travel. They switch rooms. But I have my like Mrs. Smith binder, my Mrs. Jones binder, and my Mrs. Thomas binder, whatever. And all of them... I have all the data sheets for each student. I have all their accommodations. Everything stays within the classroom, so I'm not moving it from place to place. I tried that my first year, and then I would leave my binder places, and I'd be like, ah, it was like my Bible. Like, I lost my binder. Um, you probably never had what you need in the place where you were. Yes. So now every Friday, I I made a sheet of things that I need to accomplish for the week ahead. So some of my students need weekly stories. Some of them need to make sure that they have their um, fluency passage done once a week. So I've made myself a checklist and I print it off every Friday and I have my prep on there and the things I have to accomplish. And that way I keep track of what I've done because I will forget um, or if that student's not here. So that's one way. And then I also have on there, this is like a little tip for your para. My para also has things that she knows that she can do. So she'll say something to me like Thursday, hey, Ashley, don't forget to print those books and I'll prep them for you in the morning. So she has a list of things that she knows she can accomplish and do that helps me out. Um, it was a little bit easier in the self-contained room when I was there. Like my para just had these 10 things they would do for me and it was a weight off of my shoulders and it was something that gave them a sense of um, purpose for the classroom. Like they were in charge of this. They did these things for me. Um, and just establishing that routine was really helpful. Um, but keeping the things in every classroom has made a big difference for me. And everything is organized in the sense of if I'm not there, on my lesson plans it says, see Johnny's reading folder. It's orange. Open it. And it has his schedule, like the five things he has to do. And once he's done with that, he gets his break. And it's literally written out so anyone should be able to go in and do what I do. That's great. I like the idea of a binder in each room. That way it's just, it's there. You have everything you need. Somebody can walk in. That's wonderful. And so simple. It's not, I think a lot of times we complicate things, you know, it doesn't, it really can just be a binder with all the things that you need. That's, that's okay. Yes. And someone else can, which sounds like take data for you. Like if I know I'm going to be out for two weeks, let's say something were to happen. I have all their data sheets ready to go. Like some of my students have fluency or mathematical problems. I have the five pages printed out for the five point data points. They're in there. And I literally put on there, do not give instructions other than read the instructions, let the student do it, put it away. I'll grade it later. Um, so I leave things in there that anybody could give the student to accomplish. Um, I obviously I have some data points that I have to do myself, but my pair is also trained on those. Um, what kind of goals do a lot of your third and fifth graders have? So like what kind of data sheets are in 
in those folders or in those binders? A lot of students have goals like comprehension, main idea, setting, detail. So a lot of things they're already accomplishing in the classroom just with their reading. Some of them have fluency goals. So we work on building their stamina. Um, So I have fluency passages in there. I have sight words. A lot of them have sight word or high frequency word goals. So I have Even if the same kid has the same sight words, I still have two different sets. Like Johnny's might be blue and Sammy's might be green because I just, it just makes my life easier. I can say, get the green set of words. That way there's no communicate, like miscommunication. So, and they have the data sheets in there and I just say, read, highlight if it's wrong, leave it blank if it's correct. And I have the highlighter in there. Like it's pretty much idiot proof, which is a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, cause you never know who's going to walk in that room if you're out or, you know, even like right now with COVID, we have people quarantined or really, truly sick for a long period of time. Like you do have to prepare for that. Yes. That was a big thing for me, making sure that if I have to be out, cause I have three young kids. So if we've had to quarantine once or twice this year, I don't want my students to not have their data points taken because that's not an excuse just because I'm not there. So as, as simple as possible, yes. <laughs> so how often are you required to take data? Some students, just depending on how their IEP is written, sometimes it's weekly, sometimes it's just five data points over the course of the nine weeks. I try to take data on all their goals at least once a week. Um, most of my students have between three, two and four goals, I guess, depending on where their area of deficit is. So if it's reading, obviously they have reading goals. If they have reading and math, they have reading and math goals. So just, I like to do that because, you know, kids have bad weeks. Maybe they might be quarantined for the week. So I try to make sure it's once a week, just in case they happen to miss or, you can see like from the beginning of the nine weeks to the end of the nine weeks, wow, look at their scores really increased. Or like they're very consistently holding at this score or that score. That's good. I will admit I am not that good. I do about every three weeks and I don't mind doing it every three weeks. It's fine and easy, but I, I don't know why increasing that frequency stresses me out a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, once a week, it just sounds intimidating, but it kind of sounds like You don't have to do it every week. It's more of a luxury that I get to do it every week. That way, if you're gone or whatever, it's okay. I have extra data points, which is never bad. I agree. Yes. And like I said, I try. I'm not successful all the time, but I try to pull them and I try to say, okay, one of my students has three goals and we try, I try to do the fluency goal on Tuesdays. I usually try to do it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just because I feel like Mondays and Fridays, kids are either tired from the weekend or they're excited or a lot of times kids miss Friday. So I try not to guarantee my Friday as a data point day. That's good. I, I'm kind of in the camp of my mission on Tuesday is do, you know, this. If, if nothing else, that's what I'm going to get done. And that's a good idea. And then, you know, it's just ingrained into your routine, what you're doing all the time. That's wonderful. So do you have any daily rituals or routines, things that you do to kind of set yourself up for success? Yes. So I've said before, I have three young kids and we all have to get out the door at the same time. I am very blessed to have a like 0.2 mile commute. Like I could technically walk to school if I wanted, which I love, but 
I try to have like all my kids' clothes picked out on Sundays for the week. And I'm like, you pick whatever you want. And they know they get up, they get changed, they go downstairs, have breakfast. I try to have three outfits picked out. And then Friday, it's jeans and spirit wear. So that's pretty much a no-brainer. And then I don't always pick out five. But you try to pick out three. Because then like at least if I've used those three, I know I have like others to pick out throughout the week. Um, I don't know about you, but I have like these lazy outfits. I have like three of them that I'm like, these are my guaranteed. If I am running late, I'm feeling bloated. I'm feeling yucky. I just know I can pick one of those three. So that's kind of, and my principal has been very gracious and gave us jeans for the rest of the year. So I always have that to fall back on. It's been kind of nice. Um, and then packing my lunch. If my lunch is packed, I just feel like I'm going to be more successful the next day. So that's pretty much it. And I don't get to school very early. With my with having the th- my three kids, my husband's home, we all are trying to get out the door for some reason. We might be like running 15 minutes early, but we still don't get out early because someone forgot their shoes or they don't like their shoes today or God forbid I put their hair in a ponytail instead of pigtails or it just, someone always seems to ruin the mood. I'm like, guys, we were early today. <laughs> Do you know, I swear, I I could wake up at 5 o'clock or 5.30, but I'm still not walking out the door till 7.30. It doesn't matter. Like, you would think, oh, I woke up at 5 o'clock today. I should be able to get out. At, or, yeah, at 5, I should be able to get out at 7. No, no, I'm still getting out at 7.30. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so there's two days a week. I walk with a girlfriend. We get up at 5.30, and we walk in, in the dark, even if it's three degrees outside. We do it. She's my, but she's the only reason why I do it. Cause I know that I'm going to get that text. It's like, I'm walking out my door. So you better be up and walking too. So that helps. And I feel more successful on those days, even though other days I get up at the same time. I'm like you, I'm like, how am I running behind? I'm up at the same time and I've done less. Like I haven't worked out for 40 minutes. Like what happened? <laughs> yeah. How does it make sense? I, I, I don't know. How does this happen? Um, do you have any apps or websites that you think would help other resource room teachers? I love Boom Cards. I think because there are so many different things out there and it's such a way to differentiate your instruction. So you can say, okay, I know Johnny really needs to work on vowel sounds, but Susie really needs to work on her addition fact fluency. And I love that you can tailor it to them. So if they have 10 free minutes... At the end of the day, we have something called power up where they have to work. We work on things that might be challenging for them or work that they haven't finished. That's a great time. And I use them as data points a lot of times. I'm like, this was so easy. Okay, you're going to do this for your data point. I'm going to do this. And you can do three different things at once. (laughs) And you get to see how they do it independently too. So, you know, it's not I'm hovering over you or, oh, you can tell by the look on my face that that was wrong or something. You know, like you really get to see. How do they work independently, which is even better? Yes, they have so many other things. Like we, at in our school, they pay for Dreambox, which is a math program. They pay for um, Reflex, which is a fluency fact base. It goes through addition all the way through division. Um, so they do have things that they, they like to do at school. We have Raz Kids, which is reading A to Z. So we have some fun ones, but I... Our school doesn't pay for Boom cards. I pay for it out of my pocket, but Boom, I'm pretty sure, just gave like a really good deal. It's like free for the rest of the year. Look into it if oh, you're listening. Yes. Um, 
But it's honestly not that expensive. And the whole team, like our PTA, gives us a teacher grant. So as a team, third grade, we bought a license. And that way, each teacher has the same. They have to, they have their own classes set up. And it's not that expensive. I think it was like $50 for the year. So everyone gave $10 of their teacher grant money. So that's a great deal. And if not everybody has it, it's still a cool thing. Because I feel like... For some, especially third and fifth grade, if you've been on the same website for years and years, you're like, seriously, I have to, you know, they, they don't want to do that. But if they haven't done it in second grade and then in third grade, like, oh, cool, we get to do boom cards. It's not old and tired and exhausted anymore. So they enjoy that. Um, okay. So my last question is just a silly one. Okay. And I want to ask everybody just because we have to know that. We all have embarrassing moments and we all do silly things or that the kids say things and whatever. So do you have an embarrassing teacher story? Yes. It's not actually embarrassing to me. It's more embarrassing to my admin. I don't work for them anymore and I won't say names. So we had a semi-serious IEP that we had to, a little hostile, but it was dress up week. It was the week before winter break and it was dress up week and I dressed up like an elf. And I, full head to toe, elf hat, elf shirt, elf pants, and I attended the IEP meeting dressed like an elf. And my principal could not keep a straight face half the time. The parents weren't really faced by it. They kind of looked at me and I said, I take, um, what, what do they call them? I take these days, like these dress up days very seriously. And they loved it. I think they loved it for like the student, the fact like they was dressed like an elf, but my admin just kept looking at me being like, I can't believe you're talking about all of these data points and you're dressed like an elf. Well, I wasn't going to bring clothes to change into. It's, I'm very, like, I'm very fun. I dress up like an elf. I, and this is like really early on in my teaching career. I think this was like my second or third year. It was just very funny. <laughs> they just, it's, it, they never let me live it down. Like, they're like, oh, are you going to dress like an elf for this IEP? And I was like, no, I'm thinking maybe a toy soldier or, you know, Maybe a sugar cookie, just to be funny. But that was something that I've done that was, I guess, more embarrassing for my admin at times. They were like, I can't believe you dressed like an elf. I think that's perfect. And like the kids will love it and remember it. And so will the parents, but in a good way. And that's what I think sometimes like, I mean, obviously we're not diving into all the problems with education, but we maybe we take ourselves too seriously sometimes. Like it's, we're here for the kids to make them want to love school and remember all the wonderful things that happened there. So good for you. <laughs> okay. So you also um, have a TPT store and a blog. So before we leave, I would love for you to tell listeners where they can find you and what they would find if they visited your store or your blog. So I have a blog. It's spectaculardays.com. I also have a Teachers Pay Teachers store, SpectacularDays.com. It is filled with a lot of math resources, things that you could use, visuals that you could use in your classroom in third grade or even a little bit lower. A lot of stuff is from my self-contained days where students generally were between a kindergarten and first, second grade level academically. And I also have a Pinterest account. Um, 
but has extra things in my blog. I'm trying really hard to do a little bit more of, but if you're looking for more co-teaching tips, there are some on there and some hands-on science experiments, which were really fun. Yes, that will be perfect. And such a good resource. I was like snooping and stalking your Instagram and your blog and you have so much information that would be very, very valuable to resource room teachers. So thank you for sharing that with the world. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun chatting with you. Yes, so did I. It was so enjoyable and I appreciate you taking the time to record with me. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.